The year was 2019. The series finale of Game of Thrones aired leaving fans divided on Jon Snow's fate. The US women's soccer team won its second consecutive championship. We watched in dismay as the world's beloved Notre Dame went up in flames. And the individual coverage HRA was introduced. <laughs> and when it launched, there was a lot of curiosity around this new health plan. But as our SVP of operations, Chris Bird, loved to say, don't confuse curiosity with actual interest. However, the tides they may be shifting, folks. A year later, conditions for employer movement to an ICHRA could be upon us, right? There are three suspected variables. One, a soft labor market, mm-hmm, check. Two, a severely constrained budget for businesses that are just trying to control bottom lines, in double check. And three, improvement in product and rate perspective of the individual market itself. Gotcha, okay, so we may be seeing a trifecta happening right now. So in this episode, we talked to Nietzsche Legrander, the Vice President of Strategic Markets at Wex, and Jonas Sove, Product Management here at Wex. And we dive just a bit deeper into an ICHRA. Like, what are the ideal use cases for HR departments to consider an ICHRA? I mean, what conditions uh, and considerations should they be making? And lastly, what variables might actually drive this increased adoption moving forward? My name is Eric Piella, Senior Marketing Manager at Wax, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kelsey Bergad. It's going to be a great episode. Giddy up, because it's time to get buzzed. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another spectacular episode of Benefits Buzz. And this week, we are talking about ICRAs, a.k.a. ICHRAs, a.k.a. Individual Coverage Health Reimbursement Arrangements. <laughs> All the acronyms, Eric. Oh, it's like pick your favorite, right? <laughs> I think ICRA is my favorite. It just rolls off the tongue a little easier than the other ones. Who gets to decide if it's ICHRA or ICRA, right? Like, I don't know. Is it ASAP or ASAP? Is, do we just get to choose? Maybe we just get to choose. And I, I like ICRA too, so we can agree there. Well, whatever way you like to say it, I've got two wonderful guests who are going to share their thoughts on ICRAs. Uh, we have Nietzsche Legrander, who's the Vice President of Strategic Markets at Wax, and Jonas Sovet in Product Management here at Wax to talk about ICRAs. Welcome to the show, both of you. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having us. Uh, excited to be here and talk about ICRAs. Yeah, I will ditto, ditto that. So uh, nice to be here. Excited for the conversation. And um, I will do my best to stick with the ICRA, but I am known to interchange between a couple of different ways to refer to them. That's totally. Variety is the spice of life, Nietzsche. So it's, we'll, we'll keep our listeners on their toes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we are here to talk about ICRAs, and I know, um, gosh, I was not the host then, but we have done some episodes on ICRAs in the past. Jonas, I think you were a featured guest on one of them. So for our you know, faithful listeners, you know, this is a, maybe another um, look at ICRAs, but we decided we wanted to dive a bit deeper. So peel another layer of that onion, if you will, and kind of go into that ICRA 201 uh, level. Um, but before we get there, I think it would still be good just in case um, for those first time listeners to kind of maybe just set a, a quick foundation level of, um, you know, what is an ICRA, kind of that, you know, that kind of the elevator speech, if you would. Yeah, sounds good. I can jump in with that. So uh, I'll forewarn everybody too. my my acronym use and verbiage for this is going to evolve throughout the podcast as well. But at the highest of levels, the ICRA was made available January 1st of 2020. So we're really in the early phases of its availability and learning about how the market's adapting and adopting to it. 
um, or adopting it. So um, keeping it general, the, um, the new exciting feature that the, the ICRA comes with is the employer's ability to provide funds to their employees to go and purchase their own individual health and coverage or health insurance coverage in the open market. Uh, so the employer could offer this and uh, along with a group health plan, but they would not be able to offer a group health plan and an ICRA to the same class of employees. So at the highest levels, employees that cannot be given a choice between the two, but an employer could offer both. And uh, one other thing to add is, you know, when we say individual market or individual coverage, we're not talking about just covering one person. Uh, employees can get dollars from their employer to go and purchase health health insurance for their whole family um, if they have additional dependents. Yeah, so I think there's been a lot of um, interest, a lot of um, curiosity, uh, but not a ton of movement in terms of adoption. Certainly employers are adopting it, um, but it's, I think a lot of employers are kind of taking that wait and see approach to determine um, how, how is it taken over, how is it adopted, and then learning from others' movement and, and making a choice from there. But a lot of discussions um, I would say a lot of the interest is coming from the uh, smaller market, likely under 100 lives. But of course, they can be adopted by clients of all size. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit today about benefits to, to clients uh, that are larger and why they should really consider these as a potential fit for their benefit package. Uh, but also, as everybody knows, COVID in 2020, right, it's completely shaken up every business in, in, in every way. So, um, you know, that's coincided with really the birth of these ICHRAs. So I think that's created a lot of, you know, uncertainty in business in business models, not only about uh, current state and cost, but future states, um, bottom line for all businesses and how do they control expenses. Of course, it's uh, um, you know impacted the labor market greatly from the perspective of unemployment has skyrocketed from where it was at the beginning of the year. So um, in the beginning of the year, people were having to offer really competitive benefits to re recruit and retain employees. And now it's a softer market. So that is going to impact uh, um, people's interest in the ICHRAs. And so um, general adoption has been really um, high or, or higher for the smaller market. But with the, the changes in the world as they are today in 2020, uh, it's just continually evolving every day. Yeah, you know, Jonas... I would, you know, just kind of reiterate that because I know it's something that, you know, we talk a lot about and it's something that we're uh, paying really close attention to is just given the current uh, economic conditions and situations that, you know, a lot of employer groups are finding themselves in um, in the midst of this pandemic, you know, what kind of impact is that going to have um, as they start to look towards 1-1-2021? and what they are going to be doing from benefit package uh, standpoint. And is that going to be um, kind of a tipping point for some of those employer groups to maybe reconsider what they're doing um, from you know, bringing a, a health insurance benefit to their employees? Or are they going to kind of look at it and want to maintain more of the status quo um, and you know, push things out until 2021 um, as far as maybe looking to consider some, you know, a different type of benefit design that may align a little bit better with what their goals and objectives are. So not a lot of indicators around that yet. It's just something that we're watching. We're asking a lot of questions. We're talking to, you know, a lot of um, uh, folks in the industry to kind of see what they're gauging. You know, I've got one really, you know, it's kind of anecdotal at this point, but it was uh, an employer group that 
Uh, we were talking to a couple of weeks ago who was in the unfortunate situation where they, um, you know, were in a situation where they had to lay off all of their employees and cancel their group coverage. Uh, but they're now in a point where they're starting to hire employees back and they're actually um, converting to the to an ICRA um, when they roll out uh, the the benefit package. So, you know, for them, the right this this was the right type of solution. And so, you know, as we get into the conversation today and stuff, I think, we'll, you know, we can start to discuss a little bit about some of those indicators and employer characteristics and things that are driving some employers to look at these as a as a benefit option. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. Uh, so with these these clients that are that, that client specifically, right? So it's clear they're facing a lot of uncertainty, and COVID has had a significant impact on on their business and approach. So you know, benefit of the the ICRA is the ability to more more easily control costs while really reducing their administrative burden. So it makes sense that they've considered that, and I think if you know COVID continues to pick up, and if they were to be negatively impacted by that. Uh, those employees would be able to maintain that insurance more more easily, I would say, if they were to be laid off again because it's portable, it's owned by them, et cetera. The employer is helping pay for them. So that could be a uh, potential downstream, I hate to say benefit, right, because it's, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. It's not a true benefit, but uh, the employees have more flexibility with that coverage if they were to be furloughed or laid off again. So that would be something that, to keep in mind uh, as that employer offers that. And one other comment on... Um, you know, what we're seeing with interest and the impact of COVID and potentially it being an uptick in employer interest in them. I totally agree with that. Uh, have had a number of conversations with employers, consultants, and brokers to pick their brains on um, how they're perceiving the potential impact of everything happening in the world today on ICRA adoption. And you really find people in two, two different camps, right? And I've seen it be about split 50-50 from the perspective of uh, one, uh, one side is employers are looking for ways to um, um, save dollars and improve their bottom line. And so they're looking at ICRA as a potential option for that. And on the flip side of that, of course, employers are thinking, man, there's so much happening right now. And additional change on all the changes that already happened is just too much change. So we're going to maintain the status quo, continue with the group mm -hmm. health plan and potentially consider it in the future. So it sounds yeah. like there's quite a bit of curiosity around this product right now. And, you know, I agree with you, Jonas, from what I'm hearing, I think a lot of people are looking at the status quo, but are we thinking that, you know, one or two employers, notable employers, large employers might hop on to the ICRA bandwagon, if you will, and then are others going to follow similar to what we saw with, you know, HMOs and HDHPs or where are we thinking the market is going to go? Yeah, I think that's spot on, right? So anytime you have a large public company make a decision like that, um, that impacts so many people, it's going to be talked about. And then, like I mentioned earlier, some employers are taking that wait and see approach. At the point where you see a large employer make that you know educated decision to make make the switch from a growth health plan to an ICRA, or even for a portion of their population, um, it could be that trigger point to really um, set that downstream snowball to, to to roll up and more employers to adopt. So that certainly is uh, has the potential for for um, for a big change at that point. I think also as we get into later 2020 and employers start to see uh, their potential uh, premium increases through through insurance. Uh, their carriers for 2021, that might also be a trigger point for them to say, hey, I want to control my costs. I don't have much control over the the year-over-year the -year increases. What are my options? And then the ICAR will be there knocking at their door saying, uh, I'm a great option to help you with this concern. Yeah, just just to layer on that, you know, um, you know one thing I think that's probably important to, to point out, and especially when we start thinking about, you know, 
large notable employers maybe being kind of the leaders and something like this and others looking to follow is you know when when you think about the ICRA as a benefit is it's not an all or nothing benefit and especially when you start to go up market and you start to look at you know larger employer groups the classes that are supported and allowed through the ICHRA rules um, provide a lot of flexibility. And when I think about usage and early trends that we're seeing, you know, use of those classes is definitely um, more prevalent or common as you go up market with employer groups. And we do see employer groups classing out um, certain segments of the employee population. And there's a lot of flexibility there. There's, you know, not kind of a one size fits all, whether they're looking at that from a seasonal and part time employee standpoint, um, whether potentially maybe they're even looking at that by location. Um, I've seen situations where employers are kind of taking um, a satellite office location that's somewhere, you know, different in the country than the headquarters and carving that out as with an ICRA benefit, because that seems to, you know, it fits um, kind of their strategy the best. And so especially when we think about kind of these large national leaders and things like that, it's not, uh, hey, let's go and we're going to be converting our entire employee population from from group coverage, because, you know, it's really about as they look across their employee population and how to segment that employee population who potentially may jump in and use those classification strategies and roll out a NICRA benefit as an additive benefit um, of their overall benefit package. So, so good points, Nitra. I, I completely agree with that. And what that really um, leads me to think about is what was the purpose of the introducing this benefit in the first place, right? What were some of the goals of, of the uh, departments doing this? And that leads to employer flexibility, employee flexibility, right? So you just spoke to the ability to offer this benefit to a specific class of employees while continuing the group health plan for another class. Uh, but then that flexibility goes beyond that too, right? So, um, how much are they going to offer? Who are they going to offer to? Uh, when are they going to offer to the employees? Um, flexibility in contribution amounts, flexibility in eligible expenses. And then also, of course, for the employee, right? So flexibility for the employee to shop around, to meet, to find the coverage that meets their needs within their budget, as opposed to being um, stuck with, per se, the benefits that employer chooses to offer them. And the interesting stat from the Kaiser Family Foundation from a year or two ago is around uh, clients of less than 200 lives offer um, 81% of them over only offered one benefit plan, and 42% of clients with 200 plus employees only offer one type of benefit plan. So in those scenarios, they're trying to do one size fits all for their their employee population. When reality, everybody has different needs. So enabling them to shop around and creates a really great opportunity for flexibility. Yeah. Speaking of flexibility, I love that, that you're highlighting that. So let's let's kind of dream up a scenario here. Let's say I'm an employer who offers my employees an HHP or an HSA. What should you know I be looking at when considering an ICRA as a potential option? Yeah. You know, first I would say for a lot of groups, um, there is not going to be a need to reconsider your group strategy, right? I mean, I think a lot of people look at the ICHRA and they, you know, I guess there's varying opinions here in regards to what adoption will be. And if you look at what the departments put out as their own projections, you know, they're saying 800,000 employer groups um, is what they expect over the course of the next five to 10 years. The majority of those employer groups, at least from the department's perspective, 
um, being under 20 employees. So their intention was really to kind of target that small group market, although what we're seeing as far as some of the early adopters and stuff is it's definitely not um, limited to that. And we are seeing adoption further um, up market, um, but also, you know, 11 million individuals getting in, getting their health insurance coverage through the ICHRA. Um, if you put that into perspective, you know, the group market is more like 160 million individuals getting insurance through their employer group. So 11 million is, you know, kind of, you know, it's a very small fraction of this. This is not the same conversation we were having 10 years ago back in the, you know, 2010, 2011 with ACA and the introduction of exchanges and saying our employer is going to be dropping their group coverage and moving their employees into the um, public exchanges. This is not it. And we're not expecting any kind of, you know, massive shift in the group market. But what I would say, and I think this is a really important point with the ICHRA, is that they are, they're a great, there's a strong value proposition around ICHRA for, for certain employer groups that fit a certain profile. And it's really about identifying those employers that fit in that profile that I think is really, really important, especially when you think of the role of the bro of brokers and consultants when they sit back and kind of look at their employer clients and where this benefit um, is going to be a benefit, right, that they want to maybe bring to some of these employers. Um, the other thing I would say is we're seeing employers seek this out. So, um, you know, it's not one of those things where you can kind of turn a blind eye to it um, and, and, and it, you know, it'll just kind of go away. Employers that fit a certain profile, um, we're finding are going out and doing some research and they're reaching out directly um, to learn more about it and see if this is going to be a good fit for them. If you're an employer who's had significant rate increases year over year, if you're expecting, you know, a large rate increase going into 2021, you know, this could be a tipping point. And ICRA, you know, is one of those benefits, which we were saying before, which, you know, it allows you to set a budget and there's predictability um, over what your cost is going to be, you know, year over year. Um, if you're a small group with a high number of or high claim utilizers that are throwing your rates off, if you have issues meeting those participation minimums, um, especially in an environment today where certain employers have had to lay off um, employees. And so it might make meeting those minimums even more difficult. Um, there's certain industries that we're seeing are paying, you know, who, where ICRA seems to be a better fit. You know, if you have a high number of variable hour employees or hourly employees, so you know, those industries in the hospitality and retail industries, um, which have, you know, also been hardest hit through the pandemic right now, um, you know, those are some of the things that we're kind of seeing and looking at that, um, you know, employers that kind of fall in those buckets, at least for the early adopters, um, are the ones stepping up to really consider uh, ICRA as a benefit option. Um I agree, Nitra. Really good points. So, with the uh, your comments around 156 million Americans being covered by group group health insurance, um, completely agree that the impact to to the group health plan market is going to be pretty limited. Uh, but where I think it gets really interesting is today, about 18 million people, or six percent of the the uh, the nation, is covered by um, individual insurance. And I got that stat from again from Kaiser Family Foundation. And so if we add 11 million on top of the existing 18 million, which 11 million is what's being projected over the next decade, uh, you know, the potential impact on the individual market could be great, right? So more insurance carriers coming in, more products being available, more competitive pricing, improved risk pools, et cetera, to 
could really have a drastic impact on the uh, the individual market, and then ultimately the the products that are made available, and then even further downstream, driving more and more interest in the uh, the market from employers based off of those changes and that evolution. So, uh, really excited to watch that play out. Yeah, I I completely and hundred percent agree with you. And it was one. I mean, it is uh, one of the clear goals that the departments have in you know rolling ICHRAs out is it, it that is one of the tools and ways to help create a more vibrant individual market over time. Um, if more individuals can be driven into the individual marketplace um, to buy their individual coverage, you're going to get more carrier participation. You're going to get more um, variety in plan uh, in the plan designs and what what's available, and which may actually even drive a lot of innovation on the health plan side. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting to see this play out um, over time. Like you mentioned before, we are just over six months in, um, and so we, we got a long road ahead. So we've yeah, talked absolutely. a little bit about the individual marketplaces that are available. Um, can you all share a little bit of insight into where employers who are adopting these plans are driving consumers to purchase individual coverage? You know, um, again, it's one of those things, Jonas, where I, I know you you probably have a very uh, different perspective or, or some things around this. When I, you know, I, I kind of see this as there's a lot of there's a lot of different places employers can go uh, or to send their employees through, you know, so whether that's the the FFM or if there's a state-based exchange in play, um, the health plan website, there's indep- independent marketplaces that are offered by third parties. We've seen um, marketplaces embedded in solutions, you know, given by an, uh, through a solution provider. So there's a lot of options that are available. Um, but the one thing that I'll say, and then Jonas, I'm interested in, in what you got to add to this is we're definitely seeing that employers are looking um, to provide their employees with some level of guidance. Um, we're not seeing a lot of employers want to roll out the ICHRA as a benefit and then kind of send their employees out on their own um, to try to find coverage. Um, so, you know, that level of guidance consultation, you know, kind of hold, when you sit back and you think about, you know, solutions and what you want to bring out to employees, it's really important for employers that their employees are feeling that they're, they have support. Um, you know, for somebody going out for the first time to try to find an individual policy, and even if, you know, they're familiar with their group and if they were coming from group insurance, maybe it was just one type of plan that they had available to them. So now they go out to the individual market and they're trying to navigate, you know, HLPPO, you know, high deductible health plan. Is my primary doctor covered or not? What is this in and out of network? You know, this can get really complicated. And so employers are looking for this level of consultation and support for their employees, which I think is a great opportunity. Um, for the broker community that's actually, you know, that looking to service that part of the population. And so I, I agree with you, Nitra. Uh, you ended there on, on the brokers, right? And then providing that value add of, of helping people with the shopping experience and um, where to find insurance. So I, I agree. The the uh, It's important that employers provide their employees some level of guidance on where to go and purchase insurance. I think the uh, um, the thing to keep in mind is employers can't require their employees purchase coverage from a specific place, but they can certainly give them options to go shop. So enabling them to at least have a starting point as opposed to just saying, go figure it out yourself is, is going to be critical. Um, and then, you know, from an employer standpoint, an attractive part of the ICHRA is reducing their administrative burden 
some employers are going to try to say, here's dollars, I'm out, go shop, figure it out, of course. But um, I think ultimately, it's not going to be quite that cut and dry. I think that employers should at least um, be engaged to some level to help ensure their, their employees are um, successful in their shopping experience. Um, but in the end, they'll still be saving a significant amount of time and effort on the administrative piece regardless. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. I love that. There's so many uh, nuggets of advice in here uh, that I hope our listeners are meticulously taking notes. So I appreciate both of your thoughts. But if, if I'm going to end and wrap on one question here, if if you had to, what's one piece of advice that you would give an employer who maybe thinks Icarus might be a solution for their healthcare needs? I can start on this one, Nitra. Maybe I'll take the easy one and make you, you dig for a harder one. From my standpoint, I think it's important to understand, you know, obviously they need to consider their, their financial situation and especially with COVID, but I think it's important for them to consider what does the individual market look like in my state or the states in which my employees are working in or, or living in, right? And so where are they able to go and get their insurance if they are offered an ICRA? Are there competitive um, offerings? Are there multiple carriers to buy from? How do the premiums and the deductibles compare to what we offer today? Uh, what does the network look like? Are they going to be negatively impacted and potentially have to switch doctors, etc.? And so ultimately, what it comes down to is what are the options they have available? And what is the quality uh, available to them? Because the last thing an employer would want to do is give their employees really limited poor options in a state that hasn't quite evolved to having a competitive individual market and, you know, negatively impact their ability to recruit and retain employees based off of that. Yeah, I think that um, that is a really good point. Uh, Jonas, I'm kind of glad that you you let off with that one um, and not one to be overlooked. And it is so regional um, right now in regards to what that individual marketplace look, looks like. So, so important for employers to, to be paying attention to that. You know, I'm going to actually, you know, I'm going to look ahead to say that the decision has already been made, um, that, that this is the right, you know, the right type of benefit to roll out. The thing to really be thinking about and what my advice would be is to really think about that employee experience and and managing employee perception, because we've we've heard a lot both from employees being really ecstatic about the benefit being rolled out. Um, And maybe they weren't given coverage before or maybe it was really limited coverage, you know, all the way to concerns from employers that there may be some employee backlash if they roll this out. And there's a lot of things that can be done to kind of control that employee perception. And it has to be managed from the moment the employee first hears about this new thing called the individual coverage HRA. And the, you know, education, we say it all the time, education, communication, that experience that that employee is given is going to be so critical um, in, in helping them and ensuring and making them feel comfortable with what this new benefit is and in helping and guiding them in finding coverage that's going to help them feel secure um, in their family situation. And the other thing that I would say to really be thinking about is, you know, what are, you know, what are the resources that are being made available? What kind of support are are you giving the employees? And the other thing we haven't talked a lot about this is how do payments work? Because, you know, premiums aren't cheap. And, you know, especially if you're going to be buying family coverage, 
So, you know, really thinking about, you know, is the employee, my, my employee is going to be floating the full cost of premiums waiting, you know, 10 to 12 days before the next payroll cycle? Um, or am I, you know, is there a reimbursement process that can get rolled out that's going to give them access to their funds in a matter of, you know, a number of days as opposed to weeks? I mean, those are some things to really be thinking about as you kind of move ahead. And, and if you make that decision that an ICHRA is the right type of benefit. Nisha, that is such a good point to keep all of those things into consideration. And Jonas, I love, you know, the idea to have employers look at their individual marketplace options to make sure it's a good fit for employees. So great points. So much insightful information as we went through today. Um, Thank you both for joining us. I think the next step is we're going to look into the future, the rest of 2020 and see you know, what the market bears and, and what comes with ICRAs. And maybe we'll have you back in a few months to to reflect on on what's happened. So thank you so much for your time today. Wax is in the business of simplifying benefits for everyone. Now, although we certainly hope our podcast sparks some aha moments, like that was pretty cool, but of course we cannot provide legal investment or financial advice. And well, therefore, nothing shared in this podcast should be interpreted as such. We encourage you to seek out appropriate professional advice regarding your plans. Hey, congratulations. You made it through our disclaimer. (laughs) Thanks for listening.